0: Welcome to episode 395 of the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. And I'm one of your hosts today as we continue our series on interviewing some amazing experts within the recruitment field. And today, absolutely delighted to be interviewing Simon Bliss. Some of you may know Simon. He is an ex-specialist recruiter. He's an entrepreneur. He has owned um, more than one recruitment company. He's also currently the chairperson of team and has so much to share when it comes to being a business owner, growing and scaling businesses and organizations. As I would like to say, successfully Now, Sharon conducted this interview. You can access it via our podcast feed. Um, There's also a version on LinkedIn. And Simon is a great person to talk to because what he's done for is is actually share (laughs) some of his business lessons that he doesn't want you to repeat. And others are just to give you some encouragement about what really is possible when you focus and when you have a goal in front of you. So without further ado, I'm gonna hand over to Sharon and Simon. That's good, isn't it? Good alliteration there. And I'm sure you're going to really enjoy this particular uh, session from, uh, from all of us at Superfast. Welcome to the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. An obsessive focus on marketing and sales is the only way to accelerate your company growth. So listen in now as we share the latest strategies and techniques guaranteed to deliver you more placements and profits.
1: Hi, Simon, and welcome to the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. It's great to have you.
2: It's wonderful to be here, Sharon. Thank you very much for inviting me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Now, for those of perhaps people who who don't know you, Simon Bliss is currently the chairman of TEAM, and I'm going to let you share a little bit more about that. And also, if I can invite you to kick us off, Simon, with a little bit about your background into recruitment, because it's a little bit different from most stories of how people have fallen into recruitment, but maybe I think... I thought it'd be great to have you on today's podcast to just learn from your experience of I guess building a recruitment company, obviously selling and selling one and what you are doing now, but there's lots of wisdom I think that we can pull out of your own journey because you know you had a business journey before you got into your recruitment company. So can yeah. I maybe just invite to just give a potted history of Simon Bliss? Ooh.
2: Sure. Well, at at the tender age of 22, I started my motorcycle career business. I met a guy who was I was an ad manager and he inspired me and I thought, that's what I want to do. He was so young. He was about 23, 24, and he was running his own business. And I'd never met anyone that young. So a year later, when I was 22, I started mine. And then for 28 years, that developed and grew. And we had a pretty successful business and parcel distribution company. We employed about five hundred people. We were national, and it was like herding cats, but in in all sorts of directions. wasn't particularly yeah. profitable. We sold out to a PLC in the end, and I joined them in the, with the fascinating job title of acquisitions director. But it was I was glad to get out of it. To be fair, it was unusual. I firstly. I yeah. think I'm unemployable for another employer. So I was glad to get out and I think they were glad to get rid of me. So I was then 50 plus and, and I'd been my own man for 20, since I was 22. So it was a difficult journey mm-hmm. for me to listen to um, sit around the boardroom table of a PLC, which wasn't run yeah. particularly well. And two years after I resigned, they went bust, which was frightening. Anyway, um, so I got into recruitment at the tender age of 54 by default, really. Uh, that's when most people are trying to get out of recruitment, I think. But I bought a recruitment company that was struggling. It was financially mm-hmm. unstable. Uh, it was a specialist business, which I was really interested in. Or anyone I ever knew that worked in recruitment said, work in specialism. And they were a health yeah. and safety recruiter, principal cool people, uh, based in Chertsey, Surrey, had 15 staff. We were losing mm-hmm. money. Uh, on day one so I had to let six go fairly quickly and right. we battled on for a couple of years this is post 20 2008 so it was 2010 when I bought the business and right. I didn't get recruitment that was the wonderful thing I'd never been in recruitment I bought a company that was losing money that, that there were several elements there that pinpoint what not to do when you run a That's, recruitment business so
1: I was going to sort of say it's quite, quite I, I got a actually I was just going to say, quite an alarm bell ringing. Well, You're buying a company that that's come kind of like out losing money.
2: Well, I had I had the ambition that I and the ego to think, well, I've run a much bigger company, I can turn this around. But recruitment is different mm. and it's challenging. And luck, what happens sometimes in your life, luck comes along. And I went to a networking group. I met a girl that was a member of Team, and she, I told her my story, and when she stopped laughing, she said, "You should join Team." And I went to a, a regional meeting. I liked what I saw. I joined team. I sort of got him quick, fairly quickly with some of the suppliers. And I found a supplier who I really loved. And I got him to come down to our offices a day a month for three months and do a full day's training with, this, with the staff. And I sat in as well. And at month three, mm. the penny dropped for me. I got this. I thought, I've got this. And I looked at the staff. And they were all looking a bit puzzled and bewildered. And I had recruited one new member who who was ref- a referral from a friend. It was his nephew. He had a spark about him. And he'd been in tech recruitment for nine months, but hated it. And I'd got him to work with me. And, well, the culmination of having the trainer in for three months, I looked to the rest of the staff and I, I just let them all go. So we had Josh, me. And an office manager, lovely Sue, who stayed with me till the end. And we started again. And which leads me on, I think, to what we did next, because I think having learned the, the key principles of, of the process, it was quite easy to look for the right type of people to plug in and look, nurture and train them. And, and I went for youngsters primarily who had something about them and later when we started to use this profiling system we sort of got the hang of looking for people that would fit not necessarily our culture because that that was evolving but would fit Mm. the job requirement whether they be we would do 180 recruitment so we'd have resources and business consultants
1: and that was a model that really
2: worked fantastic for us but I think right. to start with what I wanted I had a vision for the business to grow it and sell it for a significant hopefully as much as I possibly could but to take mm-hmm. some of the key people with me on that journey and share that for me mm. it's not that I, I need to don't need to own all the cake it was yeah. if you make the cake big enough everyone can have a slice and that yeah that was absolutely fab in that journey and jumping forward, seven years later, we had 40 in the team, um, uh, and we were dominating that health and safety market in the UK. Then a team supplier came along to me at one of our conferences and said, Simon, are you interested in selling? And I, it was Cameron Lang. And I said, Cameron, yeah. I said, why did you ask me? He said, well, you look, you've got gray hair. You look old. He said, you're my target audience for recruiters that want to sell. And when I'd forgiven him, he introduced me. He'd already had a a buyer in mind from Denmark who was keen to get into the UK market. And two years later, we completed a deal after an earnout, and I exited. So but I think the journey is important. If you if we're trying to I'm not the I'm not the oracle for how to build a a recruitment business. But
0: Mm. if
2: I can share what I did, some people might be able to take something from that and make it their own. That I always Absolutely. had a vision think, about what I wanted to do with the
1: business. I, can I just pause you one second? Because that, you know, that that decision when the penny dropped and you looked around the room, that decision to let that team go and to start from scratch. I mean, that is a hugely courageous thing to do. I mean, how did you find that? just making that decision to just go from like a company almost back to a startup again?
2: Yeah. Well, the, firstly, those people have been in recruitment some years before I took over the company. Their job Mm. was to, their job was to develop relationships with clients and win new business. And, and at the time, complete that business because we, we'd actually got rid of loads of resources. I wanted the consultants to stay. But they weren't getting the business right. in. They weren't doing the front bit. Um, I think right. what happened in the noughties, if we talk about 2000 to 2010 or 2008, really, mm. health and safety went mad in the UK. I mean, the tabloids were having a field day with it, weren't they? But everyone was yeah. into health and safety. You must do this. You mustn't do that. And the any recruit... any. A recruitment business to specialize in health and safety, the phone never stopped ringing. And so in 2008, when the phone stopped ringing, when it rang, it weighed half an ounce. When, when it wasn't ringing, it weighed 10 kilos. Does that, does that make sense? Uh,
1: Absolutely, and they yeah. Just,
2: they'd, lost, they'd lost the muscle memory to win new business. And right. I gave them two years to do that, and nothing happened. Mm. And the the one piece of the the one guy that I had that had fire in his belly was Josh. And yeah, he stayed with me to the end. He he became my number two, my director, and with several others around, had five brilliant team leader managers that stayed till the very end. They all, most of them started without any, Tom was the only one that had any recruitment experience, but the rest of them were estate agents and just people that were really good People, persons, and they were yeah. fabulous. And uh, we and it, and it we sounds a,
1: like you really you at, recruited on attitude and trained people uh,
2: completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I take attitude yeah. over ability or
1: uh, yeah.
2: knowledge of the sector, to, uh, sector because you can teach people that. That was yeah. a wonderful no, a, thing. A, absolutely. Um, but I a, mean, so I, but you go on. Sorry, we needed a vision though when they when we were interviewing those people. I mean, the, we. I was mindful that they were interviewing us as well and and we certainly had some amazing young people come into the office to apply for our jobs and I was absolutely when we saw someone that was amazing that had something about them the one thing we wanted was for them to see something in us that we were going to take them on a journey Mm -hmm. we were really going to develop their career and we started pretty early on having personal development plans to go yeah you're going to join as a resourcer but you can take that journey and be an account manager, or you could become a consultant. And then mm-hmm. we're looking for team leaders. We've got ambition to grow this business, so we'll help you with management training. And that was continual. So we, the the, the three things I outsourced were, well, or two things I I certainly outsourced legal. <laughs> we certainly outsourced <laughs> training and development. We had a wonderful yep. trainer, and we outsourced marketing. You've got you've got to have a. A vision, you've got to have something that reflects that vision and yeah. that mission to grow the business. And mm. not many people have those skills all under no. one roof. So we yeah. were busy enough yeah. without having to worry about that. Yeah. So to give clarity to our message with our clients was absolutely yeah. clear, and so we did that as well.
1: And so, in terms of building that, almost like from the ground back up, you got to forty consultants. What were I guess what, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced on that journey? I mean
2: Yeah, that, that's a good question. It, we made some mistakes on hiring, but you really? know everybody always does. The yeah. one thing I did learn you'll is you, 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 if you'll know within three months, don't right don't do that. Oh, I'll give them another bit long. It never works. Yeah. And if, we sort of had a program that if within three months the individual wasn't developing, wasn't growing, wasn't contributing some revenue, then they were probably in the wrong job. And actually keeping them on was not good for us. It certainly wasn't good for them. So it was a mutually beneficial thing that we said, look, guys, you may not last here. This is different here. We were on a mission. We want to grow fast. We're going to create some fantastic opportunities for career journey. But it might not be for you. It's a bit noisy. Yeah. It's a bit challenging. We're driving people. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't like oh, I'm trying to think of the, those terrible films that keep reflecting what it was like to work in a boiler room. <laughs> boiler room was one of them. But it was. Oh boy! It was yeah. yeah. It was certainly high energy, and it wasn't for everyone's yeah. taste. And so we said, it may not. If in three months you're not happy, we're not happy let's shake hands and do that. So we were letting people know from the word go what our expectations are. And okay. that sort of, actually a lot of people said from the word go at interview level, that's not for me. And that, right. we swerved a bullet there and so did they. Mm. If it's not working for an individual. Then yeah. you've got to let them go and find their path because, uh, so it was quite easy letting people go if it didn't work. And then we got into disprofiling profiling and we found that Certain DISC profiles were fantastic. All the team leaders had the same profile, same as me right. and Josh. And then some of the best resources in the country would have a completely different profile. Their attention to detail was so much better. And their qualification of candidates, the peeling back of the onion, I would call it, when they're yeah. trying to, when candidates would tell you, what's your reason? ask them a question, what, why do you want to change jobs? I'm looking for progression. Well, if you ask a candidate, a progression might mean a 100 different things. So you need to Completely, build another yeah. layer and go, what do, what do you mean by that? Just explain to me. Yeah. And so the secondary questioning by some of our amazing resources just found the gems that were within su- some of those potential candidates and we, we were able to nurture and develop some of those. So, yeah, we made some bad hires. And we made some mistakes in, in some of the markets, but mm. health and safety was a lovely market to be in because we placed people in accountants through to zoos, literally a to z, because everyone needed. Oh, wow! Them. If you were a big enough business, if you had a thousand staff, you needed a health and safety person, even if you yeah. had an accountancy practice. You see that construction, heavy manufacturing has lots of health and safety people, but some of those other businesses mm. needed it as well. So we. It was, it was and we started to work globally it was it became really exciting then because we were filling global heads we started a search division and that was that was really exciting because we were dealing with people who were looking after the big businesses globally and they would require mm. we've well, helped me in the uk what can you do for me in kuala lumpur or germany or new york and and that was exciting for my staff as well because it started to stretch yeah. them in terms of Not necessarily geography, because we didn't open anywhere else. We just fulfilled.
1: So that was like almost organic growth through UK clients then bringing you into other subsidiaries that that they had.
2: Yeah. And a rather unusual thing is that health and safety in the UK was probably better developed than most other countries globally. The the standards that... That gov UK gov put the health and safety yeah. objective put on the UK was higher than lots of other um standards elsewhere in the world. And so right. big companies were looking for UK health and safety leaders to run their global mm. businesses. So that sort of fell in our favor, really.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean, as as you were going on this kind of like real accelerated um sort of like growth program, let's say, I mean. What were some of the big lessons there as you were pushing? I mean, some people, it wouldn't have been for them, so they would have kind of left. Some probably wouldn't have cut it. But what were some of the other lessons that, that you got from this journey?
2: We, we, one of the things we wanted, we, I, I bought a business which was 100% perm. And it was actually networking with a few team members that made me think about, significantly think about moving to moving the business into contract as well and then right. later I did search and selection at the senior level so I wanted to develop right. and that was hard we'd never done it I bought the business I bought was 26 years old so it it was well established as a brand but yeah. it, it had only ever done perm and so right. quite a few of our competitors were way ahead of us and we that, mm. that was a hard graph but we found a young man fresh out of Kingston University. I called it the red brick university, and it, it's made of red brick and, and, and right. quite a bit more concrete. And he was he he took to it like a duck to water. And in the end, he became he he headed up that division of the business and Contenta. made it his own. And 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 he and we so we we then had to try and look for people who moved at a slightly different pace. And were more suited mm. to contract than PERM. And a few,
0: yeah.
2: we moved a few of our PERM people into contract. That didn't work. So we moved them back again. Right. So right. we had to identify a new avatar that would work contract. And that was a tricky for a while. Mm. But it, in the mm. end, it worked. And it, it probably got me a multiple of a, a couple of digits more for the business than I would have done on the earnout than had we yeah. just had a PERM business. So that was key. And it I mean, was go on. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Just go ahead and then I'll come back.
2: Yeah, we then saw one of the biggest areas that we were quite successful in was in social housing. And so we were doing health and safety stuff. And in social housing, and no mm-hmm. surprise with Grenville Tower, you needed fire risk assessors as well everywhere. So we did quite a lot yeah. of fire risk. And our social housing clients, where we were pretty successful, started to ask us to say, "Can you find a facilities manager, or we need a quant- quantity surveyor? And we thought, "There's a market here." So we did a bit of digging. So this is
1: starting to spread yeah. out a little bit more,
2: yeah. And I, just to put you in the picture, there was there's there's about ten thousand companies in the country that use health and safety people, and some of them okay. I have one and. Some, like Balfour Beatty, would have 300. Mm. But they employed 40,000 health and safety people in the UK. In social housing, there were about 100 companies doing social housing. So Mm. much smaller community. Much smaller. But Mm. they employed 180,000 people. So over four times as many. So the social housing market, in what I would call specialisms, was a much better market Mm, and so we segregated that social housing recruitment we secured the url for 20 pounds because no one had used it socialhousingrecruitment.co.uk and the guy we found one of our team leaders who's run with it and he's now managing director of that division we've split it they split it off after i sold it yeah so it's it's, that that was a sort of sort of light bulb moment to go we could make this bigger and that probably added a multiple of another one to my to my earnout because it was a market opportunity, um, yeah. and it we were satisfying and we were trusted. You know, without being yeah. unkind to social housing businesses, you could. It was easier to embed yourself with those a bit like a, a managed service provider, or um, mm. we'd look after lots of their roles rather than what happens in health and safety is less than 1% of the, your, the employer, the, your staff would work in health yeah. and safety. So as a thousand company with a thousand staff with a manufacturing operation. They need a health and safety manager. Mm-hmm. You fill that job, they won't talk to you for five years until he or she wants to leave or they expand yeah. and they want an assistant. So yeah. the yeah. repeat business was tough unless you dealt with the really yeah. big companies like Balfour's. Yeah. And it took yeah. us two years to get even in the door with Alphabeti. Yeah. Um,
1: so, so, I mean, so thinking that you've got two examples there, I guess, of where you have, it was a perm business. You introduced, I guess, a couple of different products. Let's call them products, contracting, yeah. and exec search, and then you've gone to an, an aligned market. Yeah. So, you know, think, I guess, thinking about companies today, There is an awful lot of conversation around the risk of relying on contingency, lots of interest and people getting trained in selling a retained offer and introducing that or making the transition completely. So, I mean, in terms of today's market and where things are heading, what would your guidance be to a company that is heavily reliant on either Tempin or Perm? contingency what guidance would you give them if they're wanting to to build and grow and and have that goal of of selling
2: I I think there's some amazing tent businesses doing business now I think one of the biggest challenges Mm -hmm. they've got is cash flow unless you've got a good support and finance I don't cash is cash the people say cash is king which is a bit but at the moment it is because lots Mm -hmm. of people are holding on to it and that squeezed quite a lot of smaller tent businesses who mm. are trying to juggle so many different plates where the boss mm. is might be the boss might be the the main revenue earner in the business if it's a small business mm. and he or she's juggling cash and and credit control and stuff like that gets left behind mm. but what i think if you've got a specialism really look at the size of that market and look at how you could maximize the potential within that market so if you're in a specialism you can you go for it properly. Uh, position yourself well, get your branding right, your messaging right. Use some proper marketeers to help you position that business properly, and look for some USPs within that. Provide some products and services that are uh, offer a broad range to those clients. If you're just doing temp, for goodness' sake, do perm. If you're just doing perm. For goodness' sake, do contract or temp as well, yeah, because yeah. you can deal with the same clients, and mm. it, you're just letting somebody else in the door. Otherwise,
0: yeah. and
2: if you're if you are doing perm, then look at certainly going up the food chain. If you're dealing at manager level and operator level, look, try and get up to senior heads, objective yeah. level, yeah. or even C-suite, because those guys and girls. Uh, they're, they're, they're the hiring managers for the teams. So you place a new head of in any function, what they'll probably mm. do is look at the team a bit like I did with my old company and say, how can we strengthen this? With yeah. all due respect, let's try and shake, get the broom out, shake it up a little bit. Let's hire some mm. people that can really take this business forward. So hiring mm. C-suite is, and heads of departments are brilliant because they come back to you. To, for, to build their teams so I yeah that that's a terrific opportunity and if yeah. you're doing that those companies really respect a retained service they they sort of understand it better than what I would say middle management who just want people fast so yeah. It, it yeah if you go up the food chain guess what the salaries are higher and automatically Absolutely. your fees are higher and if you can deal with those executive heads or senior heads, then they, they understand the importance of talent and the time yeah. it takes sometimes to find that. To and, find good and also paying for that in advance through a retained mm-hmm. program of three payments or four. We introduced yeah. a fourth payment and nudged that up a little bit. So we were selling our executive search and retained at 25%. And for a few clients, we charged 30%. And the final 5% would be after six months of them being onboarding. So that when they're when the client's really getting ROI from the individual and they feel really comfortable, they've made the right decision, mm. it was like an insurance policy for them. Yeah. Um, and and it made us work with the client and the candidate to make sure that onboarding worked properly. was but well. On several yeah. occasions, we yeah. were able to squeeze another 5%. And oh, makes, I like that. You nice. know, 5% on 100%. Yeah. K salary is worth not to be sniffed adding.
1: at. It, it, certainly, yeah. it certainly is. Yeah. Now, something that you talked about was obviously you ended up going into the international market through your existing client base. Of course, I. It feels post-COVID and that whole acceleration of the online world and the breaking down of barriers. It feels like the talent pool is more global now. But at the same time, so is the potential for how recruitment businesses can grow. I mean, what are your thoughts on, certainly I find in the IT market especially, there's a huge interest in going into, let's say, the American market, but Europe and America. What are your thoughts on
2: that? We didn't discuss this before, but I think you'll bang on with that idea. We're actually Mm. running an event in, in October on developing your business internationally and that might Mm -hmm. be with only a footprint in the UK and then selling internationally or it might mean for significant markets like the US which is the biggest market in the world actually Mm -hmm. going there and five of our team members are already there already Um, they're doing some great stuff additions SR2 uh, Tim Lane's got somebody over there from Park Lane and uh, Sam from Medical Engineers she's got someone in Canada and looking she's got business in Dallas. Right. So I think there's huge opportunity in, in the States. The, the, firstly, mm-hmm. here's the weird thing. We, they, there's the same amount of number of recruitment companies in the UK as there is in the States. And they've got 315 million people. We've got 67 I, in the UK. And That's they insane. like Brits. Yeah. So there's, the other thing is, if you're, if you're recruiting a, and, and, and I'm, I'm just picking a, a, a programmer, for uh, that might be that might and fifty thousand in the UK, that salary yeah. in the states could be seventy thousand. And I'm using sterling yeah. as the base. And but here's the interesting thing: if you get fifteen percent in the UK, you could probably get twenty five percent in the states oh. for that individual as well, because yeah. they pay more. Yeah. So instead of earning seven and a half thousand sterling for the same skill set guy or girl, you can earn yeah. seventeen thousand for yeah. placing that individual in the States. And I, I use Tim Lane again, Park Lane Recruitment. He did his biggest, he's based in Macclesfield and he did, and he's done his biggest deal in New York ever. And he's been in recruitment wow. 30 years. And he did that mm-hmm. last year. So great opportunity abroad. On October the 11th in Safford-Champness, our partners, our accountancy partners in London, we're running an event with the Department of uh, Business and Trade who are giving amazing right. support to any business, recruitment businesses as well, that are looking to look at foreign markets. They do, they'll do market mapping on your target sector in, any, in up to right. 170 countries in the world. So, so if you're interested in America in medical engineers, they'll go and market map mm-hmm. it for you, for medical engineers. If you're looking wow. at specialist technology in Germany, They'll go and market map it for you free. And amazing support they're giving. And thankfully, mm-hmm. because it's the civil service and I used to work there a thousand years ago, they're not very good at marketing themselves. But I got introduced to them, Andy Adan, our new MD, and I went to meet them. And they're doing some fantastic work at supporting expanding ambitious businesses that want to sell mm-hmm. abroad or move abroad and sell. So we've got a session yeah. with them. And we're getting a few guys down from the PGC group who specialise in America and rec- setting up your recruitment office in America. They're going to give some guidance on that as well. So that's Now, that uh, sounds two great
1: opportunities. Yeah. Uh, two kind of like sort of final questions, really. You referred to, in terms of growth, some of the important things will be about really kind of like niching, positioning, messaging, coming up with some kind of USPs, which all is very much sort of marketing-related, I guess, jargon, isn't it? I mean, for you, what was the importance of the role that marketing played in, I guess, growing the recruitment business, but also how you're marketing team? And then my last question is going to be about team. So, yeah, just tell me a little bit about, from your perspective, the importance of marketing.
2: I think if if you've got a clarity on your vision and your mission and where you're going with the business mm-hmm. and if that and hopefully that the, the culture of that is to support all the communities and stakeholders that you're going to take on that journey it's giving real clarity to that so that people buy into it and yeah. sometimes business owners they they've got in their head where they want to go sometimes they, they lack the experience and i certainly do about how to put that into words with clarity so that everyone gets it Mm -hmm. and that might be if you're running a recruitment business or like we are we're with a team network that support recruitment businesses in the UK Mm
0: -hmm. you've
2: got to make sure that there's real clarity in that vision and there's tangible benefits attached to that for people aligning themselves with you so that they buy into that and I think you need professionals to do that a bit like learning and development when I have my Clear vision for principal people. I knew I needed training and development because God, I didn't know, I didn't understand recruitment. Didn't
0: then know what I, you were doing. then
2: you <laughs> know what I was doing. Once once we had the L and D kicked off, I wanted. A, I, I kept pushing the vision, the mission with the people, and they were running with as fast as they possibly could. It was fantastic energy that we get out of the people. Mm. But then, it, it's important that you then communicate that to clients and candidates so they come on the journey with you. So well, we needed marketeers to clarify that vision for us and, and really challenge us about what we were trying to do and how we were trying to communicate to those to those communities because health yeah. and safety people weren't the easiest people to communicate to. They're, they're quite process-driven and we needed to yeah. find ways to, to get them to trust us and that, that, that our integrity on supporting them in their journey was real and true, and that we would genuinely be in their best in, we'd be looking after mm. their best interest to work with us. Yeah. And that was key. And we're still yeah. doing that with team. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to rolling out some, we've got a program we're running out uh, rolling out this quarter. We've got I just finished a setup call, we're partnering and no surprise we part we've got a strategic partnership with LinkedIn that we'll be sharing with our team network in September. And I think they're going to join us in our our London meeting to showcase that. But we're doing a webinar as well to to show what LinkedIn and and team can do together to help our our members grow and develop an impact on their communities. And several other things that we're doing with strategic partners to really push the team message and what we're trying to do to help people achieve whatever their goals are. A goal for a startup might be to be in business in a year's time and a goal for a solo might be to grow and have an empire or to have a wonderful lifestyle business that where they pick and choose their clients and their candidates mm. and they're, that that's all they need from their world. Yeah. And yeah. I know you've got some clients that are solos that have FTSE 100 clients. We won't mention her name, but
1: no. she's amazing and
2: to- and. and we want people to achieve their ambitions and be on the top of their game, whether it's one yeah. person or a hundred yeah. person business. Absolutely. And, and that, that's that's really our goal for team now. Yeah, we've got to get that. And,
1: and so, I mean, you've you've mentioned team, but for there, there are going to be a lot of people potentially listening to this that um, are team members and there will be people that don't know much about team. Yeah. So maybe you could just sort of summarise for us what team is, who is it for, what does it offer, yeah. and, and and how should they get in touch with you, Simon, you or Andy, if they want to learn more about team? Yeah.
2: Well, team is a community. It, we're a business that helps small recruitment businesses maximise their potential. And I sort of said it in the previous. If you're a startup, a solo, an established business where the business owner might be the, the biggest biller, so three, four, five, six, seven staff, more lifestyle, but there may be specialist or local generalist or scale up. If you've got to 10 plus, you've probably identified a team leader manager who can help you on your journey. And then mm. part of that challenge is identifying the next one so that you can add another block on the system. And we're trying to support all of those, all of those avatars, probably up to a, a maximum of 75 to 100. We've got right. HR Go and Meridian that are 100 plus, but they're sort of quirky, Mm -hmm. different. They fit into our culture with what they're trying to give back, which is fairly unusual and fairly unique with bigger businesses. But our avatars are those smaller businesses that are starting off, established Mm -hmm. or on a journey to grow. And we want to help them and encourage them to do that. And we do some rather quirky, different things. We run 100 different events a year which are online and face-to-face, we connect people and we connect them for several reasons. We want them to share their ideas, their challenges under an umbrella of trust and then ultimately Mm. share jobs. The REC last year put out a a fact that only 33% of jobs that are with agencies get filled in the UK market. And that's dreadful. So we, my the previous owner, and I've celebrated what he brilliantly did before me for many years, he built this umbrella of trust within team for members to work together to share those ideas mm-hmm. and those problems, but also jobs. So yeah. we have Team Exchange, which is a portal where you, if you can't fill a job, you put it on the portal and other people can support you with that and find candidates for you that you might not have. And yeah. millions of pounds worth of uh, revenue get created a year on jobs that wouldn't have been filled. So yeah. team members are happy because they've got revenue from both, and generally it's 50-50, yeah. but there's a bit of flexibility there. Mm-hmm. The candidates are, are happy because they found a job they wouldn't have perhaps Absolutely. got. Absolutely. And the yeah. client is happy. So that if the client's happy, they stick with the job owner, the the the, mm-hmm. the Agency that had that job, yeah. and it, it's creating lots of additional revenue, and we really want to build on that. And yeah. I'm proud to say we had two new members that joined in June meet meet at our conference face to face on the 16th of June, and I and I interviewed them uh, a week ago. They've filled six jobs together since June, and created That's another nearly twenty thousand pounds worth of revenue, and. They have paid for their membership for the next twelve years each.
1: Absolutely, it's yeah. fantastic. That is brilliant. That is good. Yeah.
2: yeah. That, that, no. So, team is about working with like-minded individuals, business owners that are open to share ideas, challenges, jobs. So, that yeah. in a community that will protect you and support you, and yeah. and really maximise your potential. And, and also, we've got a we've got a, nearly a hundred suppliers who have give specialist discounts to you as a, a team members for mm. for their products and services. And the biggest one is we buy, we co- we consolidate through Candidate Source job board pricing. And you can save up to yeah. 80% of your price on job boards. That's I mean, it's phenomenal. We, it we, we had a guy join the other day from Portsmouth. He said, I want to join for job sharing. I said, how much do you spend on job boards? He said, oh, 120,000 a year. And we saved him five and a half thousand on his job boards he said i didn't even join for this he said and i've saved five and a half thousand in my first week so Fantastic. he was over the moon with that yeah so lot, lots of benefits and a bit of a and, bit and of clarity how, from us as to what those benefits are to to the to the recruitment community yeah. but we're here we're at the teamnetwork.co.uk come and talk Super. to any of our my wonderful team bella lauren jackie andy or myself or, or either of the two Rachels who make Fantastic. up HQ. Yeah, cool. Sharon, I'm well, exhausted. That's brilliant. I'm exhausted. There's,
1: I, 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 there's so much can kind of like from all your experience that I could just keep pulling more and more lessons from you, but I'm gonna leave it there. Thank you so much for your time and sharing some really valuable insights and some thoughts as well about how businesses can mm-hmm. I guess capitalise on the opportunity that there is today because I think there is a huge amount of opportunity, even in some areas where the markets can be slightly more challenging. And there is a huge amount of resource and support available in Teams. So I'd really encourage anybody who doesn't know anything about Team, go and check out the website again. So if I remember rightly, Simon, it is
2: the team Team Network. The team
1: network. I always remember the team yeah, yeah. Go and check out the website and pick up the phone and have a conversation with one of the yeah. team because it is a great community to be part of.
2: Yeah. So will oh, connect with me on LinkedIn and I'll make sure we find the right person to talk to you. It'd be great. Thank you.
1: That's fantastic. Cheers, Simon. So no doubt you and I will speak soon in the Team Network.
2: I look forward to it, Sharon. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. Cheers, Simon. If you enjoy this podcast, and this year, you are ready to take your marketing to the next level, then check out Superfast Circle. This is a unique marketing program designed specifically for recruiters and their marketeers you get access to two virtual marketing directors you get consultancy you get your hand held through the whole process training consulting and we provide content resources so go over to superfastrecruitment.co.uk forward slash join and check out what's available